0: Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Electronic Dance Money. Uh, this is a, gonna be a this is gonna be a fucking great one. I just, whenever I have guests on, is it's always so much better, and I'm always looking for new guests. And uh, these guys are like the t- the exact kind of guests that I want to have on the show. These guys are super knowledgeable. We're gonna be getting out tons of information for all of you listeners um, today. I've got Los Padres. In the episode, hey. um, we've got uh, Gino and Carlos, What's and up, uh, we're uh, yeah we're gonna be talking about um, some branding stuff. Which actually, funny enough, this episode is gonna be the one year anniversary from when the show started. Hey. I just realized, Crazy. yeah, I just realized that a year <laughs> Happy ago. One year, so, man, that's awesome. Thank you, I appreciate it. All the thanks has to go, go to the listeners though, because I mean, the show is just it, dude. I, when I first launched the podcast a year ago, I think it was within the first month, I had something like 10 to 20 downloads, I think it was. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, just around probably four or five months in, it just started growing and growing. By the time this episode hits, I think we're going to be at 3,000 downloads within the dude, first year. Yes,
1: dude. Awesome. And it's, Congratulations, it, man.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, that just it, dude, it goes out to all the listeners and supporters of the Absolutely. show. It's fucking Absolutely. incredible how how dedicated people are to actually checking out the show and how many times people are actually re-listening to episodes and stuff. So I know this episode these these podcasts are doing something for someone. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Ironically, the 3rd episode I did was about branding where I had my buddy Alberto on who runs a mixing and mastering studio for a lot of um more like more bands, more uh, rock stuff. But uh we talked about Instagram branding and how that looks and how to figure out your brand and I do think that episode's probably it's d- definitely dated by now just cuz a lot of the things we were talking about were Instagram algorithms and I mean, they change their damn algorithm. Every social media site changes their algorithm every two
1: (laughs) weeks. Gino is so experienced with that.
0: (laughs) It's so, it's true story, sir. It's ridiculous. It's so hard to keep up with it. I actually, do you guys follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all?
1: No. Yeah, uh, Gary V? You mean Gary V? Oh, yeah, 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 Gary Gary V. V. Yeah, for sure.
2: So, yeah, yep. Go on, Gino. No no I was going to say I'm, I'm pretty familiar with him. I don't know, not wild wildly familiar but he's uh you know pretty uh looked up like uh, he's like a god when it comes to the Instagram uh, algorithms just, and stuff. Just social media in general.
0: I mean he content creation straight <laughs> across the board. He's just I mean he he records himself like 8 hours a day. Just has a videographer following him and they yeah. chop everything up into content. He's I mean he, he's a content machine. It's yeah. insane. But um I saw a post by him that said because there's an algorithm, treat it as there being no algorithm. Because since they basically, which basically means they change the algorithm so much that that means there is no algorithm. So fuck the system, just fucking post. Post whatever hashtags you want and just run with that. And if if it's relative content to people, they'll like it and people will follow you. But uh, anyways, yeah. So we're gonna be talking a little bit more into the branding aspect, not just with social media, but branding in general as well as supplemental income stuff, because you hear me talk about on the show consistently about how you need to diversify your work within the music industry, but um, I haven't gone thoroughly into topic about what supplemental income means and what potentially that could look like even outside of the music industry. And we were briefly talking about this on Saturday morning before the kind of pre-show setup um, and the things we wanted to talk about. So. Let's uh let's get into it first, Carlos. If you want to introduce yourself and get a little bit into your background in the music industry and how you kind of got to where you are, and then uh, Gino, you can jump in right after
1: him. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on the one year, man. That's like so big. It's such a a great accomplishment, and it's shout out to all your listeners and thank you again for having us. Absolutely a pleasure to be here. We've been looking for an opportunity to kind of. Speak with someone on these things because I feel like um, once you start to learn about Gino and myself, you'll see how widespread we literally are within our individual campaigns and our duo, and then some of the stuff we have on the side. So, my name is Carlos. I go by Cameo with a K, Perez. Um, I come from music. I've been fortunate to um, have a parent who has. grown up from the streets to the Grammy award-winning stage as a percussionist, so I've been around that kind of influence um, from studio sessions to production from a very young age. Um, I started to pursue it heavy about senior year in high school, and then shortly after that, I decided to join the military because, and we'll dive into that, but supplemental income. You know, what was I going to do if I wanted to chase this goal? How was I going to make a steady paycheck? Did I want to compete early or did I want to, you know, maybe pursue the opportunity of getting my music education paid for by the military and then flip that into money? So that was one thing about me that happened early on. And then the other thing is, after I got out of the military, I had an opportunity to do some remixes for. Official labels, Atlantic, Big Beat, Def Jams, and remixes not only teach you how to work with somebody else's product, but it teaches you how to identify yourself as a producer because you have to take something that's already pressed on wax and create it again to help it gain momentum, keep momentum, or to bring that record back up in the charts. So I went from remixes to ghost production. And then I was fortunate enough to connect with Gino. And we have very similar things when it comes to that. And, um, you know, that's pretty much the quick, quick lowdown of it without getting too deep into it. But I had the opportunity to work with uh, some pretty amazing people along the way. So, you know, your floor
2: so uh first and foremost congrats on the one year uh that you got i know how big of a deal that that is for you guys and uh, hats off to you but um my name is gino soto um i'm uh, come from more of a latino background like carlos and i'm cuban um, both of my parents come from a cuban vac- uh, background as well um but uh we the difference i guess between carlos and, and me is that i can't i come from a much more classical background um since i got about nine years old when i uh my sister picked up the violin. She's about three years older than me in, in, elementary, in middle school and as a kid, and I saw that as a big inspiration to me. But within three months after picking up the violin, um, I switched to cello uh, in the middle of summer and pretty much learned how to read music just playing Disney songs, man. And that's, uh, and I really grasped the concept of uh, music through that. As a, I guess as like a child to putting all my movies that I like together all through that, and it really... You know, I had a connection through through that, and I carried that all the way through almost high school, all participating in, in different orchestras outside of school and conservatories. And I got an opportunity to play in Carnegie Hall when I was 16 years old, and, and I really did some amazing things as a kid. So I never thought about doing anything else other than music as a kid. And it, it, that's one of the things that I think is. It was made it so passionate about is I never thought about being a teacher or nothing like that. I just wanted to be a musician first and foremost. So I carried that all the way through college. And I remember I had to make a a big decision that my parents, uh, you know, sort of asked me to do around 17. You know, you got to you got to make that decision. And like I said, I, I went all hands in to to being a music, uh, a cello musician. And with that being said, did it all the way through college at Valencia College and moved here to, to Orlando. But along the way, as I picked up uh, DJing, I uh, started working for just, you know, like Carlos did supplemental income through college. I wanted to put some money into my music as well. And I started working with Blue Man Group and uh, the audio engineering kind of in the backgrounds. And I started uh, learning, you know, the ins and outs of audio engineering, quick and ins. And then I picked up DJing through that. And to kind of, uh, long story short, if not too late, that gave me an opportunity to, to, I started doing quinceañeras and weddings, and I met a lot of people through networking, that I eventually landed a really good opportunity working with Nappy Boys with T-Pain over here in Tallahassee, and that sort of changed the gear for me from classical to DJing to now hip-hop, and I was just kind of all over the spectrum, but I had really enjoyed the process of it, and then that lasted a little bit, and then I jumped into electronic music, and then I jumped into trance and uh, had a, a project with that and that picked up with supports of uh, above and beyond and armin van buren and that really solidified the fact that i wanted to stick with electronical music and there was a passion with that and then with that being said you know that carried on to meeting carlos at uh, a couple years ago at edc and from then in it was just kind of the yin to my yang if you will when it comes to music production because we speak so many of the we speak so much of the same language when it comes to music that you know, it's come to this and, uh, you know, we're real, we're happy where it's come. So, but yeah, (laughs) damn. I mean, both of you, I love it. I love hearing
0: you guys' stories cause it's, you both come (laughs) from like two worlds that are different, but kind of set in the same space. Right. And you both have, I mean, both of you guys have worked with major, worked on major productions, which, which is those, those opportunities you get are there they're some of the the craziest ones because it when you get those chances to work with like these serious people and serious musicians, it's so exciting, it's so nerve-wracking. Get a lot of the times people get caught up in the moment and they forget to really take in everything that they're learning and the opportunity that yeah. they have. We learn to from work. each other
1: on a daily basis, man. I mean, one thing that we are really, really good with is staying in communication with each other. Um, it's not like we live in the same house, right? So we have our individuality, but when it comes to the duo, there's, in my opinion, there's no better way to pick a partner than somebody who's better than you at a completely different thing right? So like Gino understands theory and classical literally composition. So I don't greenlight anything unless he puts ears on it because in all reality, we still want to make music, right? Sometimes production can get redundant. You're using the same kind of techniques, But when you have somebody who has a classically trained ear, you can get a little bit creative and step out of the box. And I think on Saturday, we touched base with that. We we want to make sure that we're still making music, right? Whether it's bass house or pop or Moomba or at something for a festival set. But I can guarantee you, when you hear us play, you're going to listen to compositions and productions that make sense, um, that a musician could appreciate. And that 10 years from now, the process of getting to that product is still going to be relevant. I mean, we still use music theory that was you know created hundreds of years ago and we use that as one of the cores of our production so when it comes to the duo I I think we're a great match I mean analog digital right so I I write stuff digitally he plays it analog you know and then we put that in so um yeah it's it's been a fantastic run man
0: I think you hit on something that's a, a key component in this topic that we're kind of just going off of right now and it's the fact that you understand and this is something I've talked about in the past you both understand that you guys have specific strengths and specific weaknesses and instead of trying to double down on your weaknesses to build those up and make those stronger you guys realize that you're more efficient doubling down on your strengths and finding someone who has your weak who's strong in your weaknesses um and that complements each other perfectly that is how you create some sort of successful group or duo like that is finding someone that has your weaknesses that are their strengths that is the core component to it all if you if you're any if anyone's out there looking for a duo do not just go whimsically posting in facebook groups or on reddits looking for someone to be a duo partner with cuz Nine times out of 10, that's not going to work. One, you might not have the chemistry with that person, which is another very significant component of that. But the other thing is, is you don't know their strengths or their weaknesses. And if you don't even know what your, your own strengths or weaknesses are, you're more than likely not going to work. It's not going to work out because you, if for a duo to work out, you it, regardless if one person does all of the production and mixing, and then the other person just does the marketing, the The person that does a production more than likely is not good at marketing because they're in the studio 24-7. Whereas the per- person who's great at marketing might be super into the music, wants to be a musician. It might be good at DJing and they can focus. You two, both of you guys can focus on your strengths and you will get so much further that way.
1: <laughs> that is- Rather than <laughs>
0: two two really good producers coming together can make a great track and make maybe a good collaboration. But that does not mean that they're going to make a good duo because a lot of the times you get these... Alpha mentalities that fight with each other, where they both want to be right about their own productions, and it just causes a lot of major issues.
1: Absolutely, dude, you said it perfect. That's the golden nugget right there, man. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, it's... I think, um, something really, imp- oh, if I'm sorry, if uh, no, go, I think go something on, really, something really important, um, that you said that I really want to drive home is that you know, everybody has their weaknesses and fortes, and I say this to all producers and musicians, nobody's perfect by any means, nobody's perfect. And the things that you have your weaknesses on, like it's okay to, you know, admit those weaknesses and not, you know, cover up or sugarcoat that you may know these things and, and learn those things and take, you know, take pride in learning those things. I know with Carlos and I, like, there's never first of all having a duo a dj duo is something it's it's a work like it's not something that it's not always bright colors at like, there's, there's times it absolutely is a relationship and sometimes like you know there's conversations that you know you don't want to have with with that person but you have to have it because you, you that that means so much to you whether it be the brand or the music that you guys are making that if you both have an understanding of that there's no, there should be no hiccups and bumps. And Carlos and I have, have established something like that. And so he knows what his weaknesses may be. And I know what my weaknesses may be. And so we, 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 we have these role managements where we know our roles in this, in this brand or this, you know, this duo, and we take pride in that. And then we drive that home. And that's something that, you know, so
1: we've literally looked at each other square in the face and say, I'm not good at this. And I'm not good at that. And people, people Feel so vulnerable with that, man. They feel vulnerable with their shortcomings or their finances mm-hmm. or whether or not they're good at marketing or whether or not they need to promo. But we've looked at each other and said, listen, bro, I, I'm not good at this or I don't have the attention span to maybe focus on getting better at this. Could you handle this? Yes. And then vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's it just, it's become such a healthy relationship. I mean, We've done white label remixes for Alicia Keys, 21 Pilots, Rockhampton, and those remixes, we have a client, and then we have our own individual tastes, and then how do we we get to a kosher point where we're like, okay, this is ready to send up and provide our client with a product? Sometimes there's hard conversations, like, no, I don't like that route. Or, no, I don't like this drop. If you can't take that kind of criticism from your own partner or be able to see eye to eye on certain things and compromise, um, you know, it's going to be a rough time finding a a good duo partner. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be available to be broken. It's a relationship. Definitely. For sure
0: definitely 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this is something that I I always talk about is I thought I wanted to be a producer and a touring artist and DJ. And though that still sounds like wonderful and fantastical to me, and who wouldn't want that if you're a producer? I realized fairly early on that like, I'm not the best producer. Like I can write a good track. And especially now, now that I've been at it for going on eight years now, um, like, I can write a solid track. I can write it in enough time and I can get a, get a good idea out there, but that's not my strong suit. My strong suit is the business side of this stuff. It's the marketing. It's That's what I'm good at. And so what's on the table with that is exactly what we're talking about here is if I were to come across another producer who's fucking great at production, who I mesh well with, who needs a marketer, I could easily run into a duo situation with that. And And what we're talking about here is is a business. I mean, that's what you guys are running. And so you, you, you have a business partner. And th- I mean, this is going to go into the entire topic of today, but I just read a book that is unfucking real called The E Myth Revisited uh, Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work Out and How to Fix It. And nice. it cuts deep to the core for anyone who runs a small business. This is a, I'm going to do a full episode breaking down this book. And how producers can utilize it but it you guys are already nailing one of the points of the book that uh it vi- very vividly emphasizes and it's structuring your business or your production duo in such a way that you have roles so like you've got someone that is doing the finances so they're handling the accounts receivable accounts payable you've got someone who's like which you both could be the facilities manager. And for me, the facilities manager is like literally cleaning up my workspace, making sure the facility is clean and I'm able to work in it. Um, And then you've got like advertising and research. So someone's focusing on that stuff. And all these different topics are, if if you do not structure out some sort of your business this way, I mean, this is how you fail because you start, There's so much to do. You don't know what to do at what given time and you don't have a system created for that specific thing and it turns into just complete fucking chaos. Things are confusing. You don't know where things are. You don't know what you should be doing in the moment and it just it can cause so much stressful complications that you just implode at over time. You just you can't handle it anymore and that's when you get to the point where you're like "Ah, I'm done with this. I'm over it. You you burn out, and it's just you. You think it's not for you, but you. What really happens? You just didn't structure it in a healthy way that would actually make you successful. You didn't set um, up to succeed. Exactly. To exactly. Fail. You have to have a business. You have to have right. a fucking plan, and that's not just <laughs> right. goals. That's like structuring the entire system yeah. to be successful. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just gonna fail. But yeah. um. Anyone who wants to check out that book, it'll be in the show notes.
2: I once heard uh if I may, before before we close out on that subject, I once heard a quote that my my dad gave to me as a kid and I and I always carry with me and you guys kinda said it's it if you plan to fail, you fail to plan. And so, you know, it, it works in itself. So, you know, and that's that's kind of a mentality that I carry with this, and I think Carlos understands that as well. So um I think that's something that everybody should 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 hear out.
0: Yeah, having I mean having a plan is the very basics what of setting anything up now, how loose you want to be with that plan is totally up to you because I think having too tight of a plan where everything is literally like to the T like in a year, this is where in two months, this is where I'm going to be. I think that's a little too structured because then you're, you're also still setting yourself up for failure because if you don't meet those, you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to be disappointed course, and you're not yeah. going to be motivated. So setting up, realistic goals, time-wise, and what the actual end goal is, is important on top of still being okay with like, it may not get there and that's okay. So we can adjust some things to accommodate. You never know what comes up, what whether that's personally or professionally. But anyways, let's dive into the first topic we're going to be discussing, which is, I mean, ultimately branding. Now, branding is this very vague thing that seems to be tossed around in in music business and business in general. It's just you hear branding and a lot of the times people hear logo or name. That's that's all they hear. But it's a little bit more than that. Uh, for me personally, when I see when I think of branding, it is the face. I mean, it's you're looking at what the logo is. Uh, you're looking at who is the as producers, who the musician is. Um, and then you're also, I think the biggest thing that people fail to represent in branding is consistency. And this is something that is, I mean, just riddled with, with abuse in as as producers. If you look at their social media feeds, specifically Instagram, and this is something that I was actually looking at on your guys's Instagram, uh, that I thought was so, you guys hit perfectly, and that is the consistency. So when I go up and when I open up your guys's Instagram here, uh, what I see is an artist. I see musicians. I don't see these personal food photos. I don't see personal pictures of you guys. I see photos of both of you guys through like photo shoots. Um, I see show photos. I see a handful of different things, but the the main point that you guys are throwing, and also music related stuff for your guys your guys personal music, but what I mean by consistency here is that there is a consistent message. We are DJs. We are producers. This is Los Padres. This is what we look like. This is what we do. This is what we sound like. So many times I find I go on producers pages and it's just there is absolutely no consistency. Right. So this you is look what I had for it,
1: lunch. Does yeah. it look like I'm a race car driver? I'm, I'm at um. the gym. This is
0: I mean, like it. it's like, OK, those are all cool for stories because your fans are following you throughout your day. But when I, when you look at someone's feed like that, if, a, if you have a potential fan, I mean, first of all, let's, let's just talk about like a personal photo or a traveling photo. When when you put hashtags on that and someone comes and looks at it and goes, oh, I'm going to follow this person because they're traveling, you're already targeting the wrong market. This could be some someone who hates electronic music, but is in love with country music, but likes your travel photo, they follow you, you're posting your music on there trying to get people to save your pre-release on Spotify, but no one is. And you go, well, I have a thousand followers. And it's like, yeah, but who, who's following you? What target market is following you? Cause if they don't like electronic, you're wasting your time here.
1: Yeah. Your Instagram feed is definitely a resume to the open market. I mean, yes, it is your, Hey, this is who I am. Would you be so inclined to follow somebody like me and support a product that I make? Right. So it's like, whether or not you know you want to be an influencer or you're a chef, your chef is not going to post himself, um, you know, anti food, anything like that. You know what I mean? Whether it's something deeper in his category, but yeah, I totally agree with that. And believe it or not, it actually took us, since we're on the topic of branding, it took us a little bit to really find our look or our vision. Um, It took me a while. Yeah. Branding's the backbone of any, any product, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? And it represents your energy, and it represents what kind of client you want to commit to your product, whether it's a stream, or a purchase, or a ticket sale, or you know what I mean? And I think it's important to make sure that you're not overzealous with your Instagram stuff, but at the same time, you are honest. I mean, we're honest about what we do. I I think branding is for sure the most important thing, but it's okay if it takes a little bit or a season or two to figure it out. Times are times are, you know, moving so fast that your brand may not fit with the momentum of music or your category of music or your genre specific and you might have to reconsider your options.
0: 100%. I mean, if you a good case to look at this like taking a while to figure out your brand, simply go to my Instagram page. Go to instagramcom audio. Look at my studio's Instagram and start from the very bottom, the very beginning which starts in like July of 2018, and I only post once a week ish, sometimes a couple times a week, so there's not a ton of posts on there, but if you look I have the most inc- inconsistent message possible. It's a bunch of different memes and posting people's tracks. And it doesn't, when you look at it originally, you're like, none of this makes any fucking sense at all. And then you, you start <laughs> scrolling up and then you, I get to a point where you're like, okay, now I see a consistent message. and I started doing a bunch of tips and tricks on Instagram for different producer tips, marketing tips, w- whatever it was. There's a consistent brand message and then you see where the brand changed even more where i doubled down on something and i went more into the content creation space of like articles uh this podcast um different offering different free products for getting on my mailing list all these different sections That really more drove people to my website because that's where I want people to go rather than on my Instagram page. And then right now, I just had another like very brief brand change where I'm changing the way I'm posting or I'm creating the covers for the podcast episodes, which is a little bit more, which I actually learned this from. Chris, who introduced us, Chris runs the No Face uh, PR team. And after he posted the episode I did with uh, Dennis, uh, I liked the way they did the cover art for it. So I was like, I'm going to just take that and I'm going to start using that for my episodes because I really like that layout. (laughs) So and you'll see that. I mean, this brand just it takes time. I mean, it's
1: taken me two years now. You can you could say you've matured. Your brand has matured, your product has matured, and you know what? It will reap what it. So you know what I'm saying? So a lot of people shun like shy away from that. Like I think it's great. We started with this whole black and white idea because the sound we were making was pretty aggressive. And then um, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too far no, you're too good. far in the podcast, but quarantine happened, COVID happened, right? And We got on the horn and we're just like, yo, should we use this opportunity to really consider what we could evolve into post pandemic? Or do we want to come out of here exactly how we went in? Right. So we started producing records. We started using um, vocalists who actually gave us songs, meaningful messages, or songs that people could relate to instead of just a sample that was chopped in a build and then you hear it throughout the drop. We wanted to go a different route. So that whole black and white concept, although it was good at the beginning, it might not be that relevant now. So we want to come out with a more colorful package. The other, the other thing that people don't talk about a lot is rebranding, right? And I look up to these two. I use them a lot in comparison to what we do. When you go to the smokers page, it's completely paused out. They have one post when they had thousands for the last five years. And it said, you know what? We're taking a pause. We're focusing on a rebrand. When we come back at you, it's going to be a new sound, a new look, a new environment. And you know what? Kudos to them for having the balls to completely archive their social media. Maybe take a mental break, but who's to say they don't come back with another top 10 you know every quarter for the next 2 years again you know they went from getting a vocal on hype beast and having a number 1 record to selling out arenas worldwide so um it's okay to say let's pump the brake reevaluate let's as long as the next step is forward it's all good and 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 that's what you're you know touching on with yourself and that's what we're doing
0: exactly so, the- COVID was a blessing in disguise for producers. As long as your family what you weren't seriously affected by it. Um but if you if you were in the space of wanting to be a serious producer, COVID was a blessing in disguise cuz it gave you the opportunity to sit the fuck down, think about what you're doing, how you're going to take this time to improve yourself and grow on something bigger than yourself and move yourself forward. I went through I mean like as we're talking about with my Instagram, I've gone through many phases of quote unquote rebranding or just evolving my brand. And my website was just one of them that I did about a month and a half ago, two months ago. I was looking at my website as I was posting stuff. And I was like, it looks dated. It looks cheesy I, with my, with, with my brand, especially for my website, it was this really dark brand. So everything was black with this scion blue color and then some white. And that was like my color branding for Envious Audio. So, when people went to my website, I wanted them to get this as producers because I offer mixing and mastering services. I wanted them to come to my website and get the feeling of like like deep energy, like club level type stuff. Like you're going to get a product that is going to compete with people in clubs. Your tracks are going to be played in clubs. You're going to be amped because you're on my and I wasn't getting any quote requests or anything. So I was like, "Okay, something's wrong with this." So I started to do some research into what it means to color brand and what colors do for people. And I realized that darkness, that really dark color is a bit off putting. It brings this somewhat depressive feel. So I was like, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was
0: like, well, and it it looks, it looks shady, almost a little yeah, like dark web type stuff. So I was like, okay, let me completely flip this then and go all white. And so I completely rebranded. I made it a much more clean look everything's bright and more uh calming and it's i mean it's done fucking wonders for me over the past couple of months there you
1: go. There it, branding you go. is psychology man yes i mean is. branding is psychology are you gonna be able to attract somebody to support your product you know it's it really is if anybody wants to kind of dig deep into that music psychology is a big thing i mean you have music minor you have music in major for a reason you know what i mean and Gino, i'm sure you're familiar with that as you know your classical traits go you understand how minor music will move somebody and then you understand how major music can move somebody chromatic scales and stuff like that what what scale of music you're going to use so we need to know that if we receive a a vocal um, from a vocalist and it's written in a certain way we need to follow suit because psychology says that it will maybe get, yield us a better return on that product you know what i mean we're not going to just go completely opposite end of the scale there's a reason why those things are there you know?
0: right right uh which one of you guys runs like most of the marketing and social media stuff that's gino gino uh, so yeah i guess that'd be me. yeah i i mean what to you for you what i mean i'm sure you guys both sit down and really d- have discussed like how are we going to move forward with branding but for you what is that what does that entail what does that look like and what does that really mean to you when you're sitting down and kind of looking at how you want to brand yourself and you you guys individually well i guess as yeah. a duo
2: it's been sort of a journey. I remember when we first started the brand, we wanted to be first of all, Carlson and I were 90s boys, so we came we come from a very nostalgic, you know, background. So we wanted to carry that into the brand. So we were like, hey, maybe we use a certain type of filter, a certain type of, you know, color to keep the profile kind of in unison with one. But as you've seen and as we've kind of hit on, like we just want to make sure that we keep the consistency and lifestyle that hey, we're producers this is what we offer where, you know, we can do live shows. We're in the studio. We can teach you how to make sounds. You know, I'm, I'm musicians in the background with the pianos and the cellos. There's just so much to hit on when it comes to to, to what Los Padres really is as a brand. So detail and almost every, there's so much to offer. So every week or every, you know, biweekly, you want to post something different and keep your your crowd and audience in tune with something and keep them on their toes so for me that's something very very important that you know carlos and i always talk on you know what you know you see a lot of these djs that post some of these like cliche pictures of them like looking down at a sidewalk with some cliche hallmark quote and it's just like you know that to me that's that's cool and it's nice but carlos and i like we don't we're not about that and that's not what we want to stand for for los padres like we want you know we're about the music we want to tell people in the studio, what we're doing, this the lyrics that we're writing, we're not hiding anything. We don't want to. Show, we, know, we're, we, you know, we're we're vulnerable, just like everybody else in the studio. You know, you can take our sounds and go ahead and do what you want with them. You know, y- y- will you make the same track as ours? I don't know. But we're here. We are in their social media, is just showing you what we're gonna do behind the scenes, and that's something that I want to always carry with Los spiders And I think of what we've done, even throughout COVID nineteen, like we've carried now. You know, with with videos of us in the studio writing songs for the new quarter that we have upcoming. You know, we've taken advantage of this COVID-19 in a really, really cool, unique way in that in that um, aspect with uh, the unorthodox uh, posts of, you know, of uh, in the studio and stuff like that. So that's something we like to, to keep on with the socials.
1: And also, like, your audience might initially think or come to find, like, on our social media, man, it feels a little inconsistent. It's because we are in that transitional phase, right? Yeah. you're 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 testing things you're seeing what works and what doesn't yeah right but come next quarter we're launching a distribution deal that we have we're launching a label we're launching products we're launching so you know we have to make sure that we are doing these things and throwing these cards out consistently yes but we need to see what sticks you know what i mean What does, what do our people want? You know what I mean?
0: There's a, there's a, there's a fine line you have to work between the consistency and the doing what is actually going to work testing. Cause there's always going to be testing regardless of what you do, whether that's with advertisement or that's rebranding or evolving your brand. There has to be some level of testing to making sure or to make sure that you're not leaving any money out on the table because you never know if something's going to work unless you test it. And if you just dedicate to one thing and you, you just come up with, let's say you come up with one idea, you dedicate to that one idea and you work on that one idea for six months and nothing happens. Well, if you were instead, if you would have gone with a handful of things, maybe three to four things and played those out over a six month period. You'd have a good amount of test subjects to look at analytics, look what drove actual conversions and consistent amount of traffic to whatever it is, whatever your call to action is. Then you can look at those conversions and go, okay, this is actually what's working. This kind of works and we can play on this and test that a little bit more. But let's drop these other things because these just aren't doing anything at all.
1: And And the other thing is during this time, we've built our team times five right? So it initially started just Gino you know, and I. During this time, we've built up a team, someone to review the analytics, someone to help us with the PR, someone to help us with the uh, branding, essentially, someone to make sure that our music sounds consistent when it is out there. Um, so, you know, you can't do this on your own either. I mean, there are products out there to help, but dude, you can't do this by yourself. And I And I literally wrote this down. I was like, To be consistent with your content, you have a team or you should look into trying to create a team for yourself and then you have social media content calendars. You have automation of posts. You have scheduling tools for promotion and we have not nailed any of that down and that's okay. But you know what? Everything is moving forward for us and progressively getting better and better and better. And when that one thing sticks, you can you better believe we're going to have that thing on fucking autopilot.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, that also just comes down to the systems you have in place. You need to have good systems that you're doing the same thing. And this is I mean, this goes into the E-Myth Revisited book that I was reading is creating a franchise prototype. And what that means is you have a system for every single thing you do. You do the exact same thing every single time. So it's ingrained in your brain so no mistakes are made but on top of that you can look at that prop that system that's put in place properly and you can figure out how you can automate it how you can change it make it faster better so you're spending less time doing that therefore your dollar per hour goes up and regardless of what that dollar dollar that dollar so big with that that dollar per hour can it i mean you can put a dollar on it you could say how much does it cost you or what does it cost to create a Facebook post, how much time does it take you to do that? What's the dollar amount on that? And you could say it costs it takes me 30 minutes to do that and that costs me $5. Well then that that right there is $5 to do. Now if you come up with a handful of different things that takes you 3 hours to do and it costs you a total of $15, you can hire someone, a virtual assistant or someone who could do that for you? Who you can charge eight dollars an hour. You're now saving seven dollars an hour doing that thing. Exactly. On top of your time being saved, you're no longer you can focus on bigger and better things. And you could do the same thing with automating systems that way. So, I, it, I mean, I might need, I, I might need to bring you guys on for a systems episode where we go even deeper into yeah, this subject because this is, dude, systems <laughs> are like the number one thing everyone should be paying attention to because it's how you can do things faster, make more money doing what you love, and you don't have to stress out about stuff. Real quick, because we're starting to transition into the other topic of supplemental income, which I want to talk about, especially with building a team. But the first thing I want to talk about before that is really this branding subject, because I know we're being very vague with the testing this thing out. Like I say this thing, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying, well, what is that thing? And the honestly, what it is, is it's it's so it's different from everyone. Everyone's brand is different. Every producer, excuse me, every producer is different. And you, you can't compare one person to the next because it's always going to be done differently. So what would you guys say to other producers who are trying to figure out what their brand is? And I know we've we already touched on take time with it don't rush into this thing it's going to evolve over time but w- what would you say are the stepping stones to getting to that place where you're finally like figuring it out i know for me it was just it took someone to tell me what the issue was and that was my buddy alberto when we did the whole instagram i love that um episode he 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 sat down with me and he's like okay um your brand's very inconsistent. Nothing makes any sense. He's like, I think you should focus on like tips and tricks. And so that's what I doubled down on. And it worked. It's actually what it like tripled my following in four months, five months. And then I stopped doing it. My following stopped increasing. But that's because I wanted to go a different direction. And I'm okay with that. I'm, a, I'm not in it for the followers. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. my honestly... Yeah, yeah. My Instagram followers haven't have I've converted zero Instagram followers since I started in two years. I just have that as a promotional machine for my other things, for my articles and my, and my podcasts. And actually, I mean, I shouldn't say I've converted, I I've converted zero of my Instagram followers to leads and actual paid projects for my studio where I'm getting mixing and mastering projects. I haven't converted anyone there, but what I have done, is I have successfully converted probably hundreds of people, if they're my followers or not, hundreds of people on Instagram to come listen to this podcast. I guarantee there's people listening to this podcast who found, found me on Instagram posting about this podcast, who are listening now. I've converted those people to listen to my podcast. I've also converted those people to my mailing list. And I've also converted those people to read my articles. And then I have with my website, I have like advertising retargeting set up. So anyone who visits my website, if you've visited my website, you're going to get Facebook ads and Instagram ads. You're going to all of a sudden see my studio pop up as a sponsored ad and that's through retargeting. But the point is, is I've converted people into a sales funnel. They're top of funnel people. They're interested. They've realized that there is some sort of product here that they, that is going to offer them, uh, something positive and useful and that puts them at the top of the funnel, there's no, no one knows, but more than likely those people will slowly move down to the funnel to eventually turn into a converted paid project. And that's simply through an Instagram post. But what would you say to get people to that point? Because we've, I think all of us here have we've, we've followed this journey where it was probably someone who told us where, what to look for and what to maybe start doing. And eventually, over time, we figured it out on our own when we when we focused on one specific branding um, topic for, I mean, let's say social media, because we're kind of focusing on that right now. And then eventually it moving down, it, it just evolves into this thing where eventually it just starts clicking where you're like, oh, OK, I know where this is going now. I, I can see the path out in front of me. So how do you get there? What, what, so what steps do you take I, to get? I to would say like
1: one one thing is you got to be fucking humble. Right, you gotta be willing to let somebody come through your threshold and be like, "Yo, you guys are monsters when it comes to this production, but your fucking brand sucks, man." And and like you, it happened to us. We um, got a, one of my really good friend. Our really good friend took a management role with us, and he has an amazing brand. I mean, he's got sponsorships. He's resident DJs at some of the biggest. Clubs in the southeast to include eleven um, live um, Vegas residences, New York, Boston, and he is so consistent that when he came to us, he said, "This is gonna take some time. You guys need to you guys need to reeducate yourself on what you're actually doing with your product." And you kind of get stepped back because you're like, "Dang, I wish I would have known this a year or two ago."
0: Fucking hurts. It hurts. Well, you've
1: got to be fucking humble, and then you've got to have the humility to go. You know what, Gino? Even though you and I like the color red, and they they love the color blue, it's time to let go of red, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's just an example. But it takes somebody on the outside. So I would say be humble, have the humility to hear it, and um, that might actually be the core of figuring out your your own brand is see how other other people perceive you right ask people ask people ask
0: people what your brand is i mean you can literally go to if someone find someone who doesn't know who you are now this doesn't need to be a random fucking person on the internet but someone you know but doesn't necessarily know your insta your your production instagram page have them go on there and be like, "What's the consistent message you're yeah. getting here?"
1: or use three words and describe my Instagram page. Exactly. And if they don't hit DJ yeah, yeah. producer or musician, and they say partier, drinker, and VIP, you well, need change. Fucking
0: wrong. Something has to change. Gino, you were gonna mention
2: something? No, no. I think I think Carlos hit everything. It's Carlos said it for me. Uh, pretty much, you know, you have to just be okay with humbling yourself and these some some of these things. And I think. With Carlos and I, that's sort of a training and process we had from the get go. and like I said, Carlos and I. When we're in the studio, it's not always butterflies and flowers. Like there's some things we have to dispute and you know, and debate whether we want that or not because of things we're being told or the demands that is being in this, you know, with the music is. And so that's okay to take a step back and be like, you know what, he's right. Let's take left instead of going right. And so when you have that, you know, kind of mentality. When you have someone else telling you, hey, you might want to work on your socials because you're lacking in this, it's okay to to take that and to learn from that and get better at it. And that kind of says what I went back is like your forties and weaknesses, take pride in that. And it's be okay and work in that. Because I've, I've had to do things with those Padres that I haven't had to do ever in my music production career. Because, like, the demand is so different in 2020 now that a producer isn't just a producer anymore. Like, a producer is an entrepreneur in a way. A producer can be a marketer. A producer can be this. So, thank God for the YouTubes of the world to take initiative and to learn these, these things. Because, like, instead of staying at home and twiddling your thumbs and buying books and stuff like that, go on YouTube you know, go, while you're doing cooking or something like that, learn something in those three minutes that you're trying to write that down and take initiative, like I said, and that goes such a long way. So
0: yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, there's this, um, it's, it's important to do your own fucking research and not this going to learn how to design a specific sound or how someone like that's, that has its time in place. For when you're in the studio, but when we're talking about branding and marketing here, don't look for, don't Google how to create necessarily how to create a music brand that's not branding in and of itself is very universal, regardless of what industry you're in. You're gonna fall because there, there's already been a specific system and path in place for branding that has that is tried and true. It it works day in and day out, regardless of what industry you're in so go do brand just general branding and marketing research because you can translate that over to music it's just how are you going to consu- yeah how are you going to consume it and how are you going to apply it and a, a lot of the stuff we're talking about here too is ego and pride which is the biggest issue with musicians in general is they just their egos are too inflated and they're too soft and they don't, they, they have too much pride for themselves and they're afraid to let the, they've been to- producers have been told time and time and time and time again to let their shell down when you're getting feedback for a track. And that is important to have. And I think a lot of producers have adapted, um, and taken on that thought process, but I don't think enough producers have been told to also let down that same shield and that same wall when it comes to your marketing and branding and other, other things within the industry. And because of that, there's this stigma, which I consistently talk about on this podcast about how producers feel like they need to be it all. They have to be the writer. They have to be the marketer. They have to be the mixing engineer. They have to be the mastering engineer. They have to do the advertising. They have to do the booking for shows. They have to do the promotion. They have to do every single thing. And though some of you may want to do that, not all of you, I'd say probably a less than 1% fraction of you will be able to do that. There's only a very handful of people that I can think of in the industry that have done that. Um if they've even done that at all, because most of the time it's their face, that's the, the brand, but they don't realize the fucking team that is behind these people that are right. 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 So like,
1: it's okay to be blunt. I mean, the statistics of somebody being able to carry themselves from the ground to a top one level record. And then seeing, um, seeing that product become prosperous. Is really unheard of nowadays okay and yes people start off with that energy as these bedroom producers and they're gonna hone in and you know they really have those goals to achieve and you do achieve certain levels of success throughout getting a label placement meeting some great people but if you think you're gonna be able to achieve that goal by yourself you are wrong you're mistaken hit the brakes turn around Go go re-examine why you're doing this because if you think that you're going to do this on your own, whoever told you that or whoever, you know, wherever you heard that information, you're misinformed and I don't want you to waste your time. And I know somebody's listening to this right now going, fuck, that's me. Because you know what? I was that person. I Dude,
0: every you know producer, dude, every fucking producer that starts is that. I was that fucking producer. Yeah. The reason why I started this podcast is because I was that fucking person. Yeah. And I saw, I see time and time again, so many producers be this person. The the one that just thinks that they have to do it all and that they think they can And that they think they.
1: Oh. Dude, I tried singing on my own records one time and I was like, what the fuck am I doing?
0: The, the other thing is that they think that they can fucking do that. Without systems in place that are gonna get them to be successful. It's I mean, this book, the E Myth Revisited. If you think that you're if you want to do that, if you want to be the one that does it all and gets yourself to the top, and you haven't read this book that I'm talking about, you're not gonna get there without at least reading this book and realizing that like you have to structure things and put systems in place that are gonna fucking get you there. But regardless, like you get to a point where it's too fucking much. When you when, if you want to be a full time producer and a full time touring artist, you have to realize that you're putting out at least probably one track a month, if not more. And the amount of promotion that goes into that is unfucking believable when you have five tracks lined up over the next three months that you all have to consistently produce about or promote about. You have to make a couple of posts a week, you have to make sure you're talking to a video editor for some video you're doing for the, mu- for, the, for the track. On top of that, you have to splice up all the individual clips to promote on Instagram, put them on YouTube, put them on TikTok. On top of that, you have to be making sure that you're staying up to date with your tour bookings, making sure you're getting paid, making sure you're booking your flights. Like When we start tackling tacking on all the individual items that it takes to be a full-time producer and a touring artist, you can't fucking do it all. There's this video. Gotta build a team.
1: Yep. There's this video of Tiesto. I I can't remember where I found it off the top of my head, but he's working on his new album or whatever. And it's in his uh, label studio center or whatever. And he's there and he's got like six bays at his studio, six different studio rooms. And he's just going up and down the hall, peeking his head in, seeing his team work on one thing. And these are his signed artists as well. And then he goes into the next one. And then he goes into the next one, gives it input. That is so smart. He's developed a campaign for his label to be consistent, have consistent releases with producers who are consistent. And guess what? He probably can turn key an album in a month because he has that kind of workflow. We, Gino and I know top 100 uh, DJs who have teams of like 11 to 20 people in their camps. Dude, 20 people. To help one person succeed. I mean, everybody eats, right? But one person is succeeding. So, you
0: know, they're the face of the brand. Exactly. One of the best people I like to point to for this is simply Armin Van Buren. He is a goddamn legend. He plays somewhere, I think, like 250 shows out of the entire year. He will go, he will, he will jump city to city within the same day. Country to country within the same day, and then he has a radio show he consistently puts out two radio shows. he's got the one on Sirius XM where he does he does a State of Sundays, and then he's got a state of trance every Thursday at the exact same time. every He's never fucking late. It's a two-hour show where he's engaged with the audience, and then he's leaving that, and he's going and playing a show somewhere in Belgium, like the next day or somewhere in Russia. and then on top of that, the amount of music he's putting out as well. The amount of if you look at Armin Van Buren's releases every day, he'll have like five new releases. And a part of that is because he re-releases shit on other record labels. So he's like got this machine of releasing and putting out musical content that's just always running and never stops. And I can tell you right now, Armin Van Buren is not the one doing that. He's got a team oh, behind no, him.
1: No. The man's gotta got to sleep and he's got to eat, you know?
2: Um, I saw, actually, I had an opportunity. I saw his Masterclass, I don't know, a good five, six months ago, he released it through, you know, the Masterclass outlet that everybody's now kind of, you know, doing, and he... Doesn't take any, you know, shade and, 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 and shame in saying, hey, I got this guy. And I think his name is Benno degoji or degoeji Digo, or something like that. And that's his, he's in the video with him. And he's like, um, so I got these tracks that he's absolutely producing and not even producing, but collaborating with him in there and, and creatively producing with him on a track that he obviously re- re- uh, releases, like, I think six months from that masterclass with just his name on it. Obviously, But the credentials are with the same guy in the studio. And he has no shame in saying, hey, I got this guy that literally, you know, stamps his approval of the songs that I make. And it can be whether it be a mastering engineer and a mixing engineer, whatever it be. But Armand Van Buren has like, it's like a, it's a, it's a machine how he works, you know. And it's just that, that's how it is. So I, I used to back then and the producers, and I'm sure a lot of producers did too, used to take that and be like, God, that's not how you're supposed. That's not how you do it. Like you're supposed to, you know, write your music and do it yourself. <laughs> fuck that, man. Like I'm so over that <laughs> Dude, that state. Like me, fuck that. I'm just over it. So that,
0: that is the other fucking stigma. Which I just did a whole podcast episode with my buddy Alex in um, Russia. He started edmghostproduction.com. Edm dash dash ghost production.com. It was like the first ghost production website where you could go buy productions at. And this was like the main topic that we really talked about over the episode is this stigma about quote unquote ghost production. Because what we're talking about right now is not ghost production, but so many young producers will go, Oh, he has a ghost writer. He has a ghost producer. It's like, No, 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 no. When you think of ghost product or what you're thinking of as ghost production is someone entirely writing a song and you outright buy the rights to that song, you've never touched it. That is ghost production. What we're talking about here is co writing, which If you don't think that co-writing is being done at the highest levels of the industry, you wake the fuck up.
2: Almost. Ariana Grande, the biggest artist of the world. Some of these people don't write oh, a dude, single song. Zed's oh. the middle. Uh, uh, you know, these yeah. guys don't write songs, and a lot of people. And it's sad that a lot of these people who are hearing the radios and the, they're like, "Wow, Zed must have been so in his feels when he wrote this song." My God, Zed didn't write that song. Yeah, no, I'm like, the at Ma- the Matthew right Coma now wrote that. One, you know, one, two,
1: three, four, five, six, seven. Eight yeah.
2: writers. Eight writers middle. or ten writers,
0: and that's usually average. Yes, that is an average. There are so many different... and Honestly, if, if you guys don't know how this system works... Now, you guys, but listeners, if you don't know how the system works, uh, record labels like Sony Entertainment, they will create lists of producers they find online, and they'll send out mass email. Well, first, they'll introduce themselves to these producers and say, hey, we want to bring you on as a part of the writing team. We'll send you out a list of artists we need tracks for. And if you approve and you say, yeah, you'll get basically you'll get either a cut of the track or you'll just get an outright payment, a flat rate for just giving up your rights for the track. And what will happen And this is only if you're fucking good enough. And most of the time you have to be networked and connected with these people. But they'll can they'll create these lists, basically an email list. And every month or so, they'll create a list of huge artists that you wouldn't fucking believe that you'd be a part of a list on. They'll create these lists and they'll send an email out and say, we need tracks for these artists. And you can email them back and say, I'd like to work with so, so, and so, and then they'll get back to you and say, yeah, okay, we'll put you on the writing team. And you literally will write just a fucking melody and send it off to them. And then a team will start constructing the songs to put together.
1: We've been fortunate to have our publisher get us involved with that. So every month we get a mailer and, um, I'm going to pull something up here. Um, and it's got everybody from Kane Brown, crossover country artist who has a record with Marshmallow, by the way, to um, Ariana Grande, to Zach Brown Band, to all these other things. And you're absolutely right. All you're going to do is kick back an idea or a concept. And by the end of it, you might have 11 producers on there with you, but now you got a number one record. So we've, it's crazy that you brought that up because. Nobody realizes that those mailers are targeted for people like us.
0: Yes. Right? Because... They give you an opportunity. Absolutely. They, put you, they give you an a huge opportunity that I guarantee you would never have anywhere. Sorry, I don't mean for to interrupt. For the smart
2: consumer, though, because a lot of people, if you guys remember, they, this used to be frowned upon because it's just like, this isn't yours. This isn't authentic. Those ghost websites that you were talking about... I remember back in the day, there used to be Reddit forums that we were trying to, like, we need to have a petition to get this website down. This isn't authentic. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We're trying to get this website down? Like, this is a career for some people. Like, they don't want to be the front line yes. of the producer's world. And they just want to be in the studio pumping tracks for these guys, getting a cut. And at the end of the day, that's okay, you know? Yeah. But, I don't know. The last no, spoiler- you're
0: right, <laughs> dude. You're fucking preaching to the choir. Like, some yeah. people don't want to do that. But they want to write good music that people are going to yeah. hear. And And a lot of these, again, with that ghost production episode, a lot of these fucking producers are making $500, to thousand dollars a track, and they're selling three tracks a month. That's a good living. Like, just producing.
1: That's all you're fucking doing, dude. So the last brief we got was for, believe it or not, a K-pop girl group, okay? So we sent our catalog up through Dropbox, and we submitted seven records. They put a hold on five of them. OK, so I also want to just put the put it out there that it doesn't mean you're going to get picked up. No, but that's a good no. step, right? Yes. You're getting in with the right for, crowd. You're getting networked. They pay you for a hold. And you're like, holy shit, I just went from doing this bass house record to now I'm submitting K-pop. And by the way, that comes with humility and you have to humble yourself. You've got to be flexible in your production. Don't, you know, try to diversify your catalog whenever you can. Whenever you're bored, produce a genre that you're not used to. And then the next time, produce something else. And then the next time, produce something else. So we've developed a catalog of, you know, what would you say? Like 125 records?
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. That we
1: literally put on hold for briefs. And some records are four years old and they still, they're like, hey, we want that piano. Hey, we want that drum, that drum riff
0: it's something as simple as that and then you'll get a fucking payout for something like that like it's absolutely this is what we're talking and i mean we're gonna start moving into the supplemental income stuff because this is the stuff we're talking about here is supplementing your income as producers and i mean the reason why i wanted to talk about the team stuff is you have to build a team at some point and i'm sure a lot of producers are sitting here going well how the fuck do i build a team well one You can find people who are up and coming who want to be involved in the music industry, but don't have that. Let's say you are trying to build a team and you need someone to do your marketing and you find someone who wants to do marketing within music business, but doesn't have any doesn't have any experience. Well, if you also don't have experience marketing your brand shit and you need to get that figured out, it might not be a bad idea to bring that person on if you don't have any money to hire someone just so you both like you're giving each other a chance to learn and grow. Uh, and that's very important. And you never know if that m- person who wants to be a business marketer is eventually going to be doing, is going to be the head of PR for Anjuna Beats. Like you never know if they're ever going to get to that point. So if you throw them a bone early on in their career and they actually learn something and grow from you, you you could potentially be like, they, they'll they remember that. This goes right into the... Um, um, uh, Let me chime in go- on that real quick. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yo, so like one of the first things or a legal contract that I got drafted up real quick to everybody listening. All you gotta do is search "Full Sail University Audio Engineer," "Full Sail University um, uh, um, Music Music Law," right? And you start, and on Facebook you'll see people, students who have that in their profile description. And, and you want to throw someone Starbucks. a bone? Yeah, <laughs> you want to throw you want to throw someone a bone? Why not a kid? or someone who's literally getting the paid paying for the education to do that and have them work on an intern type level with you and say, Hey bro, I might not have the budget right now, but if this wins and if I get a payday, I'll cut you something. Could you help me write this legal document? Could you point me in the right direction? Will your professor take a look at this on your behalf? If you're not that creative, you've got to go diving into these hashtags, and let me tell you, music law, graphic design, music production, engineering, all of that you can find just through Berklee Music and Full Sail University. I guarantee you you can find a first semester dude who wants to grow his entire brand for four years of college with you.
0: That is- And you will be his case study. Fucking genius. That is so goddamn smart and I've never thought about that. And <laughs> I'm probably going to utilize that
1: for yeah. myself and my own fucking business because that yeah. is, that is- You s- become somebody's case study and they literally- get emotionally vested with your success
0: and yes and on top of that you're opening up a potential network for them as well when they're done like if you have a network or you're starting to grow a network and that network is going to continue to grow and you bring on board someone like that if they have if they are even relatively smart they'll see that and realize like the opportunity that they're being given and sure you might not be someone big now but you never know where you're going to be at in five years you never know where they're going to be at in five years and if they have common decency, they'll realize that and they'll be they'll they'll be happy to help you out with something or you work out a deal with you in some way. Um And a lot of some of this, what we're talking about goes into uh the go. Have you guys read The Go Giver? No. Highly haven't. fucking no. recommend that book. Um That's a book that I spout no, about no. on this podcast all the time. It's just about taking on the business model of helping without expecting anything in return you're just you're just doing you're going for it and you're doing when someone asks for your help if you can if you can if you have the time and you have the opportunity to help someone out just do it because you create this karma-like effect where you can this is i mean this is something that i do with all of my clients whenever i onboard new clients the the first email i send out when i get a quote request is i say hey i'd like to schedule a phone call with you do a needs discovery process And it's totally free. And all that means is I'm going to ask you a list of questions, get to know you a little bit more, find out what your goals are, and then find out who in my network I can connect you with where I can start driving that goal and pushing it forward. And that is not and I tell this to all my clients as well, where I'm like, I don't care if you get a mixing and mastering project for me done or not. I don't care if you get one done and never one another if you need help with anything, email me and I'll let you know what I can do for you. And that is just because I want to help fucking producers. That's why I have this show. I want to help people out. And if you can, if you can do that for someone else and they're willing to do that as well, you create this bond and this relationship right. that can just
1: take over. You can what, take over the world with one of the uh, breakout visuals that we had was from Miami Music Week, a set that we did. and the kid. That did the filming. Shout out Simon. They were filming the UCF football team. Okay. So they were cameramen on a field, but they were always moving because those are action shots and they understand what it's like to go from left to right at a fast pace, blah, blah, blah. They just did Rolling Loud last year. No shit. They went from doing football footage for the University of Central Florida to now being picked up and getting their visuals from Rolling Loud. And we were the in-between. We were one of the in-between. And that's why I'm saying you've got to reach out to the next great visual artist, the next graphic designer. They don't have to be the best, but, damn, they've got a fire under their ass. They're willing to work. They went to Miami. They filmed us. They made a killer video. Not even a year later, they got Travis Scott in front of them. You know what I'm saying? And it's and if if our connection at that time didn't take a chance on them, we would have never seen that growth in them. And now when when we're at a becking call with them, we can hit them up. Hey, we need you. We're doing this festival, and we we know that that product's going to come out great. And same to our guy Zach. He's an educated person when it comes to the visual stuff. Like you want to deal with people who. Are taking a chance on themselves to take a chance on you and then let that the world karma like you said start to spin
2: well if i can chime in a little bit uh to, to jump on carlos um what, what he was saying about zach and all these other people that we were, we're connected with now zach is a, is a very close friend of mine and he's the same guy who taught me sound design and everything i know about music production in ableton So he's and he's not doing videos. And now like this guy's like a Swiss army knife and, you know, shout out to Zach. But what you were saying earlier in the podcast about like building a team and knowing like these people around you, this was somebody who I never thought in a million years would be editing our videos at a a festival or or a show. And sure enough, it's the same guy that taught me production. And it's like doing videos And just because like, hey, Zach, what do you got going on? Oh, I want to do this, this and this. Give him an opportunity, give him a chance, and like, sure enough, our team and our circle is so small when it comes to these things. But everybody has roles and everybody knows what they're doing. Sure enough, like, we'll chime in with the production stuff, but it's just like it it takes more than just one, and you never know who it could be. And you know, it's it's that's what the crazy part about all this is. So we've
1: had we've had a vocal session with a guy part of Gino's initial team with Zach, and this I I won't mention him just because I don't know if he wants to put out there. But we're in this vocal session. And then we do this demo listening session. Come to find out he's produced and released dubstep on an amazing level, but he's won Grammys with um, Dan and Shay, it, with, uh, Dan and oh, Shay no. on a country shit, record. No shit. Okay. so So everybody has to be willing to hone in on a specific craft but don't be ignorant. Don't constrict that yourself. You can't, don't constrict yourself because that guy was a heavy dubstep influence. Like the but his grannies dubstep. are from the countryside. <laughs> the of dirtiest music.
0: head veining, just yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying cry. yeah. It's and, too- and
1: kudos to him; he knows who he is. He's probably gonna listen absolutely, <laughs> and he'll hear this. And let me tell you, it was in a vocal session that we discovered all of this. You know what I mean? The
0: power of your network. no one realizes the power of your network and the network itself is like it's is like its own team that is working passively in the background without you ever knowing it my network was okay before i started the podcast my network now is (laughs) growing more and more with many dude it is spider webbed out faster than i could ever imagine Big shout out to Chris who connected us because he's been a really big player and really growing that even more. And the thing is, is Chris and I are a really good relationship where it's like we're we're just helping each other out. I helped out one of his buddies to get connected with one of my friends who's transition. He's rebranding um, and going into the dubstep scene and he's starting to and he was. Do you know uh, do you know who Noah Neiman is? Have you heard of him? yep he's yeah so he's he used to be a huge trance guy um he released a bunch on enhanced well he's he's like my best friend he's moving over dr noah yes dr neiman dr neiman he transitioned into he's transitioning into the dubstep (laughs) world right now and uh one of chris's buddies is a great dubstep producer but um it hasn't had any like real major releases and so i was listening to stuff i was like oh this is fucking great i know noah's looking to get connected with more people in the dubstep scene. So Chris and I helped his I threw my buddy Noah a bone by hooking him up with this great producer. And Chris threw his buddy a bone by, and I threw both Chris and Noah. bone. so it was like this roundabout thing of all of us helping out with each other. And then, and then Chris will come to me where he about you guys coming onto the podcast. He's like, Hey, are you interested in like getting these guys on the show? And he, he keeps coming to me and he's like, Hey, got these other artists I think are going to be good for the show. And I'm just like, He's like my fucking network machine to get me in with people to bring on as re- really good people for guests, and I mean you guys are per- so it's like, and the trust grows even more with Chris as he like connects me with these people that are actually the ones I want on the show. He knows are going to be beneficial, and then on top of it. Now I have you guys in my network and you have me in my and you have my network. So it's like we can come together and we can ask favors for each other
1: or just see if there's if your listeners really want to see how this how this conversation transcends into something successful. Give us 90 days and you'll see what we're going to do with you guys. You know what I mean? Like together from this point on, we know because of Chris, who we both know and has their best interest in both of us, we know that we can work together. Yes. And we know that I can bring you maybe a record that I need mixed and mastered because I just don't have the time. Or Gino can reach out to you on a branding situation. And, and your listeners will see how that has the cause and effect, a positive cause and effect. When we're, I mean, just by this conversation. Yeah,
0: no, exa- exactly. There's you're like the listeners right these now. These are The you're conversations curious, that this you're, is you're, what networking yeah. looks like right now exactly. is us connecting. I'm exactly. I can give these guys an audience and also help out my listeners by sharing your guys' story and your guys' information, which is great. And you guys are very knowledgeable. Everyone's lit. Everyone's learning from some really good people here. And the thing is, is, I don't know who's in your network that could possibly help me out. And you guys don't know who's in my network, who could possibly help you out. You just don't fucking know until you ask as well. Cause I mean, it's and this will be something that grows over time and the trust continues to go. But the other thing too, is to understand not to not abuse the, of the relationship because I'm you so can, happy you, brought that up. you can quickly get into a path where you're like, Oh shit. Like, I know, I know this person who has all these connections who could get me this, this and that, but then they don't, a lot of people don't sit back and go, well, what am I doing for them? Like, how am I adding value right. to the relationship? Because And this
1: goes back to humility because I can't talk to some of Gino's network because Gino has a specific relationship exactly. with them outside of our duo and vice versa. And we respect each other's territory that we don't overreach. We may have a opinion that maybe we consider to mention for one another, but he has people that I don't overreach to because I respect his territory there. And I have people that he doesn't reach to because he respects my territory. And let me tell you something, people can ruin their entire career by trying to overstep one move. One move will blacklist you or blackball you and you'll never be able to and that web only keeps going to infinity you know what i mean that that so
0: it's the 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon situation where like <laughs> straight up right now like i i'm sure a year ago i was probably 6 degrees between someone and some big head of a&r and as your network grows you get a little bit closer and closer to that person and you never know when you're eventually going to hit that it but it comes down all comes down to networking and uh i mean the abuse thing is so fucking important and honestly the best advice i can give to younger producers or producers who are starting to come up and they're starting to grow your network if you're worried about the abusing a relationship because of a net, their network look at the relationship and ask the person who has the network you want to get tapped into Ask them how you can provide value to them and only do that until you can provide a handful of things that have given this person additional value. And you've done the go giver situation where you've helped them out however you can. Then and only then is it appropriate to ask for something minor. I mean, like, let's not don't do Be like, okay, I've helped them out with three things. And the other thing, too, is like don't necessarily count. You don't want to sit here and go, okay let me mark that one i got one i got two i got three now it's my turn it's that's not how it goes it's just you gotta let it be natural and
1: um check your emotions at the door ask yourself am i envious am i jealous am i worried that this person's gonna take off without me am i if you can check all those emotions at the door when it comes when the time is appropriate the person who is in a position to help you can sense that you've been patient enough and will respect that. And, and again, if you're overdriving and overpushing, the, the, the helping hand gets further away, man. I mean, it's there, but it's, it gets
0: further away. Yeah, I'll tell a story here that I think I've told on the podcast about. So if anyone's heard it before, bear with me. But when I first met Noah, so I moved to Austin, Texas in 2016. And before I moved to Austin, Texas, I had like uh, the year before I was getting really fucking into Tritonal hardcore, like obsessed with Tritonal. Just I listened to their Piercing the Quiet album every single fucking day for a month straight. Still to this day, one of my top five favorite albums. So fucking good. And so I saw Tritonal when I first moved here within the first three months or so. I saw Tritonal was playing. Um, At Stubbs, so I went there and saw them and Noah opened up for them This is the first time I had ever heard of Noah This is when he was going by Noah Neiman first time I had ever heard of him first time I had ever seen him and I was like Oh, this dude's fucking sick. Let me look him up to like like his Facebook page Well when I looked him up on Facebook his personal profile showed up and I was like, oh he lives here in Austin and I was like, let me just add him and I sent him a friend request and within like an hour he accepted it when he was off stage and then I was like oh shit let me send him a message so I sent in dude Noah is like the most humble fucking dude ever I sent him this is when he was touring with Tritonal he's I mean he had like 150,000 Spotify listeners at this point so it was like he's a relative he's a known artist so I was like this is crazy Let me just message him and see if he can help me out with giving me advice. And he was like, message me the next day. Yeah, totally, dude. I help, you know, I give feedback and you can send me feedback and whatnot. And so I saw this as an opportunity where I was like, okay, this is my chance to prove myself to someone. So I was like, I can can only ask for feedback, but not every week. Like it's got to be like a monthly thing or every couple of months because I don't want to bug him. And then I also saw it as. Okay, let me start, like, really paying attention to his Facebook feed. Let me like the things he's um, talking exactly. about. Let me find... Let engage. Let, engage in his content. Now, let me find things that we're both interested in. And this was, like, a calculated relationship. And I found the things that we were interested in. And then I started messaging him personally about those things. And we really bonded on video games and, like, playing World of Warcraft and shit and <laughs> Destiny too. So we started talking Hell, yeah. about playing video games. And then eventually, it, like... Straight up, it took two years or a year and a half. We're like, okay, let's start playing some fucking games together. And so we started playing video games together and talking a little bit more and getting more personal and more engaged. He started tagging me in posts. And so I was like, okay, this relationship is actually turning into a friendship. And it started to turn away from being a calculated relationship to a natural one. To now, it got to a point where I was like, I need to go to the gym. Noah goes to, the, goes to Gold's gym all the time. St- we had actually just played like D&D together. I played D&D, so we played together. Yeah. And um, and then I was like, well, let me, I'm going to take this a step further. And I got a gym membership. He's like, I'm always looking for a gym partner. Hell yeah, let's do it. The next day, this is the first time we had ever actually hung out in person. We were working out together. We worked out with each other every single day, except for Sundays, for like a year and a half straight. That's we became awesome. best friends. It took two years
1: for me to get Dude, the first what an in- amazing person. story And
0: We're now best fucking friends. He sends me unreleased yeah. tracks to get feedback on. Like I yeah. was the kid coming to him. be like, Can I get feedback. And now he comes to me being like, Hey, yeah. how's the sub sound where I'm like, it's in now. It doesn't matter. Cause it's like, I'm just, we're really good fucking friends. Now we hang out, we talk, we have discussions and it's, it's, turned it It had it started as this calculated thing as an opportunity and it naturally turned into a really good relationship and because of that he's helped me out so much but not only that because of this podcast and my network as well I've been able to connect him with really important people that have really helped him out as well and he sees that and we neither of us really abuse that either because there is this respect for each other that we've gotten to
1: that's awesome and he just he just had kids uh babies right he just had twins Mm -hmm. yeah congratulations yeah yeah Yeah.
0: he's i'm super it's super he was i I was the first person he told (laughs) dude What? like like, straight (laughs) up like i was the first person he told at the gym and it was it was like that's how close we've gotten so it's been it's really fucking cool to see that relationship just evolve and morph into something Dude, that's bigger than this whole thing. Yeah, that's so awesome. You, you never—you've got
1: a friend for life now.
0: Oh, definitely, dude. Like it's—you never realize where these relationships can go unless you put the time and effort into them and really invest into them and invest into them honestly too. Don't put up this fake facade because people see right through that, and it just—it doesn't work out in the end. It never works out. I would love to get into the supplemental stuff, but I got to get... Let's do go- a
1: part two. Yeah, let's I let's two.
0: definitely do a part two. We can get into the supplemental income stuff, which I know we said we were going to talk about, but we'll... Yeah, let's do a part two, and we can go into the supplementals. Um, and then there was something... What else were we going to... I feel like there was some fuck I don't know if I wrote it down we're
1: gonna have to fly out to Austin and do some bench press competition with you guys <laughs> dude, <laughs> yes
0: oh my god dude I haven't been to the gym since this whole fucking COVID Same. I'm going I'm starting tomorrow I was gonna start today but we're recording right now so I was like dude it's so bad yeah. I'm getting, <laughs> I need to go Just be back.
2: careful now let's go in there I know <coughs> yeah pulling something uh know. yeah for real i gotta
0: take it <laughs> nice and slow and take my time but um is there anything else you guys want to say any last words or oh you know um, plug just... your plug your guys's social media plug if you have any shows coming up if you're doing any online events or anything like that plug away
1: uh so just we the, are yeah, well, oh, oh go, go ahead was... go ahead Gino. i'm sorry
2: no no man <laughs> uh, i was just gonna say you know thank you for 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 putting us on the podcast you know we we really enjoy uh you know, re- uh, reaching out to the audience out there about things that, you know, you might have not known about, or you learn a thing or two. These are things that Carlos and I just we, we absolutely love just giving information and talking it out. So just wanted to say thank you about that. And um, as far as the socials, uh, you know, if you're gonna reach us out through SoundCloud, we're always on Spotify as well, all those Padres and Instagram, Los Padres underscore. And, uh, and that's it. Let me give the mic to Carlos.
1: Yeah, man, thank you very, very much for having us. I mean, I feel like we developed the initial steps for a friendship as well. I think this podcast was amazing. Not a lot of people are talking about what you talk about. So I I really hope that your listeners understand the importance of why you touch on these subjects. I think it's something that will help aid um, future producers or or whatever the category um, avoid some uh, hiccups along the way and some, some turmoil. Um, As far as us, we've got, A couple cool announcements coming out next quarter. We are going to be working hand in hand with No Face with a distribution deal. Um, We're going to have a label launching, um, working with artists from all over the country at the moment um, to include some in the Caribbean. We've got, um, it's just going to be a lot of fun, and we hope that everybody will support that, you know? So the new sound, the new wave um, post COVID. Los Padres is on the way. So I appreciate yeah. your time, man.
0: Yeah, no, I thank you guys. I, I'm happy to have you guys on. Uh, we'll definitely get together for a part two. This is awesome. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate you guys' time and everything you guys have to say. And I mean, to anyone else listening out there, exactly what Carlos said, like a lot of, the, I mean, there's a reason why I talk about the things I talk about in this podcast and it's because it's relevant to you guys and there's something to learn there. And there's a lot of information in the podcast that can like you can get frustrated because there's so much the biggest thing i can say to those people who might be frustrated or confused where to start is to pick something and just work on that one thing for a little while and then just take it one step at a time and the podcast is an advice buffet if you don't like something don't listen to it don't care for it close it doesn't matter um what? as long as you get one piece of good information out of this podcast i'm happy but yeah thank you guys so much so excited for what you guys are doing it, you guys have some good stuff in the works and uh yeah it's awesome i can't wait this is the first time i'm heard, hearing of your guys's record label so i'm pumped to hear, so <laughs> yeah, see what yeah. happens with that that's gonna be awesome uh yeah well that's awesome. about it guys thank you we'll so much soon. yeah take care, take care. Thank, you, audio.
2: thank you man Thanks for
0: checking out this episode. As always, guys, head to EnviousAudio.com slash episode 29 to check out the show notes. Join the Facebook community at Electronic Dance Money Community and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. This is going to be the last two weeks that you have to get your reviews in so you can enter yourself into the mixing and mastering lesson that I am providing to one lucky reviewer go and leave a useful review to other producers and we'll see you guys for part two in a couple weeks take care